Well, hey, my name's Gretchen. I'm really glad that you guys are all here. Um, it's so good. I love getting new students every year and meeting new people. And now I can see you, which is even better. So that's fantastic. Um, but I don't really know you yet. And so this is a question that's going to help me get to know you. Okay. Um, how many of you can actually remember having a landline phone in your home? Okay, a lot of you. I wasn't sure. I couldn't, I wasn't exactly sure where we're at yet generationally. This was the last landline that my uh, husband and I had in our phone, like an emergency phone, you know, that we had. I'm not really sure why we needed a landline and our cell phones, but we thought we did. So, um, so this was the last one that we had. But growing up, I like, I remember the phone on the wall. Anybody have that at your house? Okay, some of you, yeah. The phone on the wall. So like, when my um, seventh grade boyfriend, John Cook, would call for me, uh, I needed a little privacy. And so I would take the phone, and it had a lot longer cord than this, but I would like walk, I had to go out of the kitchen, and I had to go into the music room, and the cord went underneath the door, and then I sat underneath the piano, we had a grand piano, and I would whisper seventh grade girlfriend things to, I don't know why. But um, at our house, the thing about a landline is, well, at anybody's house. The thing about a landline is that you um, need to be able to take messages when you have a landline. Like, important messages come in. We didn't have answering machines with the landline that I had growing up. And so I was the answering machine. And that was serious business at my house. And um, you were not allowed to answer the phone until you had passed, like, the phone etiquette test. Did anybody have those, that kind of training at your house? I, we did. Um, so I... Well, okay, I'll tell you. Here's how it was. My parents trained me. This is how you had to answer the phone. Moore's residence, Gretchen speaking. Okay. Uh, is Fred there? I'm sorry, he's not here right now. May I take a message? All right, and then there had to be paper and pen next to the phone because you had to write down important stuff. Like, my dad was a lawyer, and um, we didn't have cell phones then. There was no email then. There was no texting. So information came through our phone at home or his phone at the office, right? So this was really important stuff. And so um, important messages would be lost if you didn't write down all the good information. So tonight, um, we're going to talk about, and for the next three Mondays, we're going to talk about messages. And, and three in particular, three messages that I think God would want us to write down if he was using a landline. Okay? If God was using a landline, three messages that I think he would want us to write down. Important information for us to remember. Um, and so the first one we're going to talk about tonight, and the first message that I think he would want us to know, is you have a place. He would want you to know you have a place. You belong. When we talk about having a place, another word that we use is the word community. It's interesting that community is one of the very first things that's found in the Bible. Like in the very first chapter of the very first book of the Bible in Genesis, we see community come up. Every week here at Christian Student Fellowship, we're going to um, look at something that the Bible says. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to bring it. If you don't have a Bible, we will have a lot of the scripture on the screen um, and we have a whole stack of free Bibles in the back 
that you can take with you. Uh, we'd like you to have one here at college. So, um, But in the very first chapter of the very first book of the Bible, it says this in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then down in verse 26, God said, let us make mankind in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then if we were to read on into chapter 2, God is talking about the first man, Adam, and he says, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll create a suitable partner for him. Okay, so here's the scene. God creates everything from nothing. He creates the light, and he creates the night and the day. He creates the land and the sea and the vegetation and the animals. He creates it all. And then he says... Let us make mankind in our own image. Does anybody else think it's a little strange, the pronouns that he chooses? Let us, who is the us? Anybody wonder that? Well, there's scholars that will say that the us, the our that God is talking about there, is what church tradition calls the Trinity. So it's God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this is, this is why this is exciting, okay? We see that before time, before the creation of the world, God was living in community. God had his own web of relationships. He had community. Um, I heard somebody else say this, that it's a little bit like when your parents came together and um, they created another human over, out of the overflow of their love. Don't think about it too long. Okay, but this is sort of what God does. Like, God is a community, and then he create, creates more community. So God is an us, and then he creates us to include that. So we are part of God's us, okay? You see that? This is big, that God created community for us. So Genesis tells us that we have a place because we were created intentionally to be in community with God. And that's a big deal, to know that we were created intentionally to have a place to belong. So, but even if we buy that, even if we understand that, um, there are some barriers when we talk about community. There are some difficulties with living with other people. The first being, um, community doesn't always happen the way that we want it to. In the university setting, we use this word community a lot. You'll see it in um, different things. We'll say, we'll call uh, like a learning community, or we have a community garden, or there's the residence life community. And in Christian circles, we probably throw that word around a lot as well. But a simple definition that I've heard is this, that community is shared life. Community is shared life. So the community that God gives us is a shared life with him and with others. The thing is, relationships are hard, right? Like, people are messy, 
And even if you have a great roommate, there are probably some things already that you've just sort of noticed, right? Like you've noticed the hair in the sink. Maybe you've noticed like the takeout food containers that are still sitting in the dorm trash from like four days ago. Maybe you moved into your apartment and your roommate had already filled the entire freezer with frozen burritos and there was no room for your stuff, right? But it's a little sticky to live with other people. Um, and so we try clubs and we try different groups of friends. Um, you might try a small group or coming to CSF. Uh, and sometimes we feel a little frustrated. We feel a little disappointed. And you wonder, why is it so hard to make friends? Or why is it so hard to have really great friends? And so often that leads to one of two choices. The first is this, we just give up. I mean, it's tempting to just go, you know what? I've got my friends from home. I can keep up with them on Snapchat. There are like 247 episodes of Criminal Minds that I can watch on Netflix just to keep me occupied. I, don't, I can just go it alone, right? Or maybe I'll just stick with my one person, like my roommate, and we'll just do everything together, my boyfriend, my girlfriend. I, if I, I've just got this one person, I'll put all my relational eggs in this one basket and it'll just be easier. That's one option. Another one is that we settle. Another option is that we just settle. We look around and we see who is conveniently closest, right? <laughs> who, who is in close proximity? Who is easy? And maybe we have several classes together, or you live on the same floor, or you're on a team together. Students will typically choose their friends for college within the first seven to ten days. We've seen this to be true, that in the first seven to ten days, students will look around and they will choose their friends that will be in their friend group for the next four years. Some of you are in this seven to ten day window right now where you're choosing, who are my people going to be? Who are the people that I'm going to depend on, that I want to spend time with, that I want to invest in relationship with? And convenient friends that happen, you know, we do this at the beginning of the year, we just go, whoever's closest to me, I'm going to grab onto because it's easy. That's not necessarily bad. If you've, if you've made friends in this, this, this first week or so, that's a great thing. But something to be aware of is that we become like the people we hang out with. You know this to be true? Like, we start to take on some of the qualities of the people that we're around. Um, there is an entrepreneur and author named Jim Rohn that said this, you are the average of the five people you surround yourself with. You are the average of the five people you surround yourself with, which is interesting. So I want you to stop for just a second. If you have an announcement sheet that was on your chair, there's a space where you can take notes if, or you can doodle or whatever. But you could write down, I'd love for you to think about who are those five people right now. In the last week, who are the five people that I've spent the most time with? Just write those down. Nobody's going to see it, you're, you know. And so you might be hanging out with people so that you have a, somebody to sit in the cafeteria with. You might be hanging out with people thinking, well, now I've got somebody to go to the game with. You might be trying to 
create a little friend group for that, which is great, but the people that you hang out with will start to affect your priorities and your values and your behavior. And research shows even your income. There was a study done in 2009 that said that um, over time, an individual's income will adjust to the average incomes of their social group. That your income will adjust to the same average as the people that you're, you hang out with. So if you're hanging out with people who are like working hard and killing it, way to go. Like things are looking good for you. But if you're hanging out with people who are partying all night and skipping class the next day, at some point, some of those things are going to begin to rub off on you if this is true. So, thinking about intentionally, who am I going to spend time with? Who are going to be my people? Who am I going to allow to influence me is important. So it doesn't always happen in the way that we want. And another barrier to building community is that it doesn't always happen with the people we want it to. We kind of think that it's supposed to be like High School Musical, where like I'm on a stage and I'm singing, and then out of nowhere this other beautiful person comes out and they know exactly what to sing at the right time, and then, you know, it's just like meant to be wonderfulness, and that's called chemistry. And that's what we think, that's what we want it to be like, right? Just really magical, kind of, um, we immediately click with everyone, that sort of thing. Um, it does, it's not always like that. When I was in college, I met a group of people at my campus ministry. Um, it was just like CSF, just like this group, but it was at Eastern Illinois University. And at first, I just wasn't sure if I fit there. Like, I like to use, at that time, I liked to use colorful language, like to get a laugh. And I noticed they didn't really do that. <laughs> they talked differently than I did. Um, I noticed, like, I had grown up in church, and I kind of thought I had an understanding of what faith was, but then when they talked about God, it seemed different. It seemed personal. It seemed real, and that was new to me. They had all lived in the same building together, and so they kind of knew each other, and I wasn't really sure if I would fit, if I would be able to break into those relationships. Um, but what I realized, despite the awkwardness despite like my discomfort in the beginning and wondering if I fit in, when I spent time with them, I felt better. Like when I was around them, I felt happier. I was enjoying myself more. And so even though it was awkward, I just decided like when they started saying things like, hey, we're going to go out for pizza. Do you want to go? I'd go, yeah, I'll go. We're going to have a game night. I'd say, okay, I'm in when there would be sign-ups for Bible studies or for retreats or for mission trips, I just decided I wanted to be with these people. I wanted to be with a group of people that made me feel better about who I was. It was not love at first sight, okay? <laughs> it wasn't that chemistry. It wasn't that everything clicked right away. It was a decision that this was a really good place for me to be, that these were people that I could grow with and um, people that would really provide a safe community for me to be around. I was a kinder, better person when I was with those guys. Chemistry makes things easy, right? I'm not going to deny that. But community is where we grow. 
Chemistry makes things easy, but community is where we grow. It's where we learn patience. It's where we learn to listen. It's where we learn to commit to something and not give up when it gets hard. God wants you to know you have a place. He's made you to be with people who will love you and encourage you, and he's made you to be in relationship with him. But it requires you to be intentional about the kind of community that you choose. How many of you have apartments with kitchens? I mean, yeah, here on campus, is it glorious? Yes, the ones who have just transitioned from the dorm to the apartment building, it's like, there's room for everything, yeah. But here's the thing that you learn really quickly. If you have like three or four, even five roommates in an apartment, that kitchen fills up fast, doesn't it? Like the gadgets, you have to be strategic and you have to prioritize what are the most important things to have in your kitchen. Okay, I'm gonna share something with you. um, It's been mildly life-changing for me this summer, okay? I invested in a $4.99 kitchen gadget that has changed everything. It's worth the kitchen space at my house, and it is a pineapple peeler, okay? Would you like to see it? Yeah. I I brought one to demonstrate, so I need an assistant. Would somebody like to volunteer? Yes, you in the back. Okay. Um, So I had to think about this, because you only have so much counter space. Um, I don't want to have a lot of stuff sitting around my house, but this has been glorious. Um, I'm going to give you a little... Just mom advice right here. Um, When you buy a pineapple, you want to know if it's ripe or not. So when you're at the store, you pull a leaf out of the middle. If it comes out really easily, then it's ripe and it's ready. But if you have to tug on it and it doesn't come out, then it's not ready. Okay? That wasn't even in my notes. That was just free for you tonight. All right? So the first thing we're going to do, Gianna, is we're going to cut the top off. Okay? Can you do that? How many of you like fresh pineapple? Yes. I like it, but I don't like the mess that it makes when you have to cut it, and I feel like I waste so much of the fruit. Okay, so we cut the lid off. Beautiful job. Um, So here's the corer, all right, in all its glory, $4.99 at Aldi. Then I found them also on Amazon. So Um, so what you do is you... I always hold it, like I don't want to cut all the way down through the bottom, and so I'll do this to kind of level, like to eyeball and see like, okay, when I get to about here, then that's as far as I want to go, okay? So you want to push it down and stay here? Yeah. So you're going to put that up on the top, and then just start turning it. Yeah, you just twist it, and here's what it's going to do. It's going to cut in, it's going to cut slices of pineapple. It's going to pull the entire thing out, and the the core is going to be cut out, and it will be sliced. I know, you're skeptical. You're like, how could it be? I'm telling you. This, you're you're doing great, I think. (laughs) It's not wanting to go any deeper. Here, maybe go the other direction. Okay, there we go. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So if you do it right, it doesn't take long at all, I'm telling you. And then you've got this beautiful, like, pineapple that you can put fruit salad in. You could, you know, drink out of it, whatever. You're doing great. Okay. Is that good, or you want to? I would go a little bit more. Okay. Okay. This now. Yeah. So now, 
I'm going to hold on to this, and you're going to pull that straight up. Uh, you can do it. Yes, see, it's coming. Uh -oh. Yeah, pull it up. <laughs> yeah, so that's it. So it's all sliced, and this whole thing will come out. So afterwards, you guys can have pineapple if you want. And now my hands are all messy. All right. So thank you, Gianna. Yeah. Way to go. Give her a hand, everyone. Okay. So when you bring you, this is why <laughs> I promise it fits. When I bring utensils into my kitchen, when I bring gadgets into my kitchen, I have to decide, is it really worth it? I have to prioritize. And the same is true when you are making friends and you're trying to build community at college. Um, yes, meet everyone you can. Yes, meet people who are super different from you. Yes, hang out with them and learn new things. But when we're talking about sharing life with people, prioritize the kind of people who are going to encourage you to grow, people who are good for you. Um, think about that. This semester, as you begin to put down roots and share life, we want you to be intentional about the people closest to you. So um, I was reading in First and Second Samuel, which is a book of the Old Testament, books of the Old Testament, earlier this summer, and there were so many great examples of, of um, people who just modeled uh, integrity and great relationships in how they interacted with people. And so I wanted to give you three biblical models. There are lots and lots and lots but three biblical models of the types of people, the types of qualities, the types of friends that we need to look for and really that we need to be in a healthy community. So we're going to look in First and Second Samuel. For time's sake tonight, I'm just going to summarize some of this, and we're not going to do an in-depth study, but I want you to know um, where it comes from, and so the scripture references are on your announcement sheet maybe, or up here maybe somewhere. Yes, so you can look it up later in your spare time. All right? Um, so the first one is in 1 Samuel chapter 16. We read about a guy named Samuel. The book is about him. Samuel is a prophet for the Lord, which means he speaks on God's behalf, which I think is a really cool job. Um, but he speaks on God's behalf, and God says he's going to anoint a new king. And so he tells Samuel to go to a man named Jesse, and Jesse has eight sons, and he says, go to Jesse, and I want you to anoint the next king, choose the next king from Jesse's family, and so Samuel goes, and I can just imagine, like, Jesse, like, bringing out the boys, you know, and, like, kind of propping them up one by one, and Samuel walks down the row, and he's sizing them all up as he walks, and he passes up the oldest ones, and he passes up the strongest ones, and he gets down to the scrawniest, youngest one named David. And despite what everyone thought, Samuel sees David and he says, he is the one. And he chooses David to be the next king. Here's what we learn from Samuel. Samuel believed in David and he saw below the surface, right? He saw what God saw instead of what man saw. And we need friends like that, okay? Um, the next little story is going to be um, from 1 Samuel chapter 20, and we read about a guy named Jonathan, all right, in 1 Samuel chapter 20. Jonathan was the son of Saul, 
and Saul was the current king. Saul was the king that David was going to be replacing. Um, Jonathan's best friend was David, the one who was replacing Saul. Do you get this? Okay, there's Saul, the existing king, Saul's son David, or son Jonathan, and Jonathan's best friend is David, who is soon going to be the new king. Saul is pretty jealous about this whole thing. He doesn't really like being ousted. And so um, there he hatches a plot to kill David. But David gets away with Jonathan's help. So Jonathan goes against his father and, and probably permanently severs that relationship for his friend David. Jonathan puts David ahead of himself. He loved sacrificially. And that's the kind of friend that we need to look for. Who are the people around you who would put themselves or put you ahead of themselves? Who would care for you sacrificially? The third story is about Nathan, and it's found in 2 Samuel. After a while, David has been ruling nobly for many years. He was a great king. And then something happened, and he started to kind of slip spiritually and stray. And um, David has a serious moral failure, and he takes advantage of a woman who is the wife of one of his own soldiers who he has sent out to battle. It's a pretty awful kind of thing for someone who is supposed to be a man after God's own heart. Nathan was an advisor to David, and I think a friend to David, but he was also an employee of the king. Nonetheless, Nathan goes to David, and it says in 2 Samuel 12, um, the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb, and it grew up with his children, it ate from the, own his, the, the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day, a guest arrived at the home of the rich man, but instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb, and he killed it, and he prepared it for his guest. Well, David, when he heard this story, was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity. And then Nathan said to his friend David, you are that man. Nathan called out the truth about David's behavior. Even though it wasn't pretty, even though it wouldn't make David very happy, he did the right thing, and he said the, told the truth. Look for people who care enough about you to tell the truth. Now, I'm not just talking about, like, when you have green stuff in your teeth or, like, you need to take a shower, although a good friend should tell you that. But I'm talking about some of the hard stuff. When you start to make choices in your life and your friends see it, um, as much as we want to cover that up, we want deep down, a friend who will call us, who loves us enough to call us on that. Choose a friend who would call you on your sin. 
who would call you, when, call you on it when you're talking to a girl that you know, like guys, you know she's going to be nothing but trouble, like it's not a good choice for a dating relationship. If your friend knows that, choose a friend that will call you on that and tell you the truth about that. Um, if you do something that would embarrass your mother and then put pictures of it on, on Instagram or on Snapchat, your friend, you want them to call you on that and say, man, what are you thinking? Be the kind of friend that does that. Choose wisely. Think intentionally about the people that you spend time with. Do you have people in your life who will point you to Jesus, who will encourage you and challenge you? Do you have someone who will put your needs above their own? Do they care enough about you to tell the truth? And on the flip side, we need to be that kind of friend. Like, are you willing to do that for your friends and for the community around you, for the people that you love? Look beneath the surface and see God's best in people like Samuel. Love and encourage people like Jonathan. Tell the truth to people even when it's awkward like Nathan. People come to college to be changed. Would you agree with that? Like, if you left here in four years and you were exactly the same as when you were a freshman, would you be a little disappointed? <laughs> yes. I've heard it said that the university's goal is to strip you down and everything that you believe, strip that away, and then to rebuild you, which is exciting and also a little bit scary. Um, but we, when we talk about change in spiritual ways, we call it spiritual formation. Spiritual formation and spiritual growth happens best in community. It happens the best in community. Spiritual growth, if it's important to you at all this year, I hope that you will um, think about community and who your people are. Don't believe the lie that spiritual issues are just between you and God. We don't see that anywhere in scripture, that there's always a group of people who are doing ministry together, who are learning together, who are growing together, who are um, confessing and forgiving one another. It's people doing life together. Spiritual formation doesn't happen apart from the word of God and the people of God. And that's why Christian Student Fellowship is here. That's what we want for you this semester, that this would be a safe place where you can come and you can ask questions where you can learn, where you can grow, and where you can be challenged and formed into someone new. I asked my friend Adam to come up, and he's going to share um, his experience real quickly about community. Welcome, Adam. There we go. What's up, guys? I'm Adam. Um, yeah, Gretchen asked me to just share a little bit about my experience with community and just how it's really impacted my college years. Um, so when I think about community, um, when I was in Lincoln Land my sophomore year, I was kind of just, whenever she was talking about um, keeping up with a few friends on Snapchat, um, I had a few guys that I would keep up with, but it was like, well, I'll maybe see them every once in a while, but it's whatever. Um, but then I realized quickly that that was not something I needed to be doing. I needed to be involved and be in a healthy community. And so I found out about CSF and I came to the first edge and I was like, okay, this is, this is something I could be a part of, but I didn't feel 
um, totally committed to it. I was still nervous. I was worried that there would be some inside jokes or some experiences that I didn't have that the guys had. And I was like, man, maybe. But I was totally wrong. I remember going to like the first Bible study and I was like, yep, these are the guys for me. Um, and so we just did life together and it was really cool just to get to know those guys on a deeper level. Like she was talking about just below the surface and caring about each other um, daily. Almost, We talk about what's going on in our lives, um, what we need prayer for, et cetera, et cetera. So that really um, formed my college career um, and who I am today. And like she was saying, you don't want to walk out of here four years later and not be changed. And I see that in myself of being changed through that. And then another aspect of community that's been really helpful for me is just spiritual growth. Um, I've grown exponentially in my faith um, just during my college years. And some of the people that have been so instrumental for me in my life through that are in this room tonight, and I can't thank them enough. But remember there's one example last year of I shared with a few guys that I was close with that I was just struggling in my prayer life of I'd tell someone I'd pray for them, but then like I'd pray for them once or twice, and then it, I don't know, I'd forget about it like a month later, and I was just feeling really convicted about that and how um, it just didn't seem like it was something I wanted to keep doing because I wanted to follow through on those prayers or follow up with those people and be in community with them. And so one of the guys that I was with, he suggested um, keeping a prayer journal, and that completely changed my prayer walk with the Lord. I, I was praying specifically for certain things every single day, um, and that really helped my spiritual growth. And so that's one example of spiritual growth for me. And I just want to leave you guys with something that when I think about community, it's, it's too important not to try, at mm -hmm. least, um, because... I know for me, if I didn't try, I wouldn't be standing up here today talking about the community aspect that I've had in college. And whether your work schedule or your class schedule, you think it's going to be too busy, I would encourage you to at least try. Work around it. See what you can do. Find someone to be in community with. So that's what I have for you. Yeah. Hey, here it is. You were created by the God of the universe to be in relationships. Um, you were created to be in community with him and with other people, and we don't want you to miss out on that. The biblical ideal of community challenges us to commit ourselves to life together. So just like Adam said, just try, just jump in. Um, give it a try. You belong. You have a place. And God wants you to know that. I'm going to pray for us. If you just bow your heads and just pray kind of along with me, God, thank you that you created us with purpose, that you love us, um, that you didn't create us to be alone, but that you created us to be with other people um, and to be in community with you. And I just pray for these students that you give them wisdom. I pray that you would um, just help them see maybe people around them in their lives that will be good influences for them this semester. Bring to mind people that you've already introduced them to this year who can do that. I pray that they would make great relationships here at CSF and other places, people who will um, love them and challenge them and speak truth to them when necessary. And I pray that we would do the same, that we would be those people, that we wouldn't settle for superficial relationships, but that we would love deeply, that we would love sacrificially. Um, that we would be the kind of community that you intended for us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.